Welcome to the 465th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Welcome and thank you for listening. It's been a little longer than usual because I made a trip to Houston to help welcome home Cecilia Joy, my second grandchild. So congratulations, Addie Blaney Minerich, Nathan Minerich, and Caleb. Um, beautiful new little girl, happy and healthy. So very, very excited uh, to get to spend time with my family in Houston. But I'm back here in Florida, ready to train and ready to podcast. And nothing's more fitting than to do a podcast about training to be a grandparent. And funny how things you come across, but I came across this essay by an eight-year-old on what a grandmother is. So I'll read it to you. A grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own. She likes other people's little girls. A grandfather is a man grandmother. He goes, walks with the boys, and they talk about fishing, tractors, and like that. Grandmothers don't have to do anything except be there. They are old, so they shouldn't play hard or run. It's enough if they drive us to the shops where the pretend horse is and have lots of five cents ready. They are often fat, but not too fat to tie kids' shoes. They wear funny glasses and funny underwear, and they can take their teeth and gums off. Everyone should try to have one because grandmothers are the only grown-ups who have got time. Children's honesty can be somewhat devastating. Um, the good news about children is their kindness and unconditional love for people that love them as well. But perhaps as grandparents, we can even offer more and get more from being a grandparent if we are healthy and physically fit. My grandmother on my mother's side died at 57 of diabetes and heart disease. She was over, overweight and um, fit the bill pretty good. My other grandmother died at 72 she was also somewhat overweight, diabetic, and, and had a heart attack. Um, near the end of her life, she did a little gardening. Uh, she did her household chores. The only place she ever went really was to the grocery store. She made bread and pies and cakes um, and watched her stories in the afternoon while we played. The week she died, I was 16 years old, and I remember her saying, I'm just so, so tired. And everyone thought it was because she had just made a big Christmas dinner. She died shortly after Christmas in early January. And they thought she was just so tired from having made uh, and cooked all the cookies and cakes and made the big turkey and ham and all, you know, all the thing that goes with a standard American Christmas. Um, but the reality of it was that she was going into heart failure and uh, had a massive heart attack and passed away. Last week, I babysat Caleb while Addie and Nathan were at the hospital, and we played and did things continuously. We went to the park. We climbed on the ladders and down the slides and through the bars. I was petrified that somebody would get him um, in the maze of um, things that kids climb on. We put dish towels on the ground and slid and had races across the, the hardwood floor to throw a ball into a uh, a bin container, which was also great fun. We played jiu-jitsu, three-year-old style. We played NASCAR outside, running around in the grass, pushing a, a uh, push car. We did scooter up and down the street. We played balloons. 
And we drove a race car through HEB grocery store with a big balloon on top and full of groceries. We played soccer outside and we ran up hills and I carried him down the hill when he got tuckered out and all the way to the car at a little over 42 pounds. We played cars, trains, and blocks on the floor and I was able to get up and down off of the floor with ease. We made a cake to welcome Addie and Nathan and um, Cecilia home. I stumbled on her name because Caleb calls her Goyle. Um, and he helped make the cake. I made numerous loaves of bread, which is a tradition that my grandmother used to do as she was a bread maker as well as a, a baker. Addie's a better baker than I, but um, I like to bake the bread as my tradition. Will he remember any of that? I have no idea, but I certainly will. So while we were there, um, we had a um, green curry stir-fry. Actually, we had that a couple nights. We had buffalo cauliflower and smashed potatoes for Super Bowl um, Sunday, as well as tofu nuggets. We had soy coral non-chicken chicken soup uh, one evening with a large salad. We uh, had a plant-based pizza I made out of, with a sourdough crust. Of course, we had homemade bread, a homemade cinnamon bread. Um, Caleb had fruit and yogurt parfaits. Uh, we had our fruit dessert at night. Um, of course, we had the welcome home chocolate cake. Um, one lunch, I made him a sandwich that we had seen in the Highlight magazine where you kind of carve out initials and you fill them in with things. So I filled it in with carrots, and he had avocado and tofu and broccoli with his sandwich. So it's a really a pleasure being around little kids that will eat just about anything you put in front of them. Uh, his only rejection at this stage in the game is mushrooms because of the texture. So I had to go uh, with a bit of a mushroom deficiency um, while I was there, but uh, well worth it, well worth it. You know, I joked about it a little bit earlier about being apprehensive in the park that, you know, someone could be lurking around, but in today's world, child abduction is a real thing, and as a grandparent, to be able to move quickly or to keep up with your grandchild is actually a very important skill set to have um, so it means that you, you got to be able to get up and move around and walk and stand up and, uh, you know, run with the scooter, run, go up, up a slide, up a ladder, whatever. Um, so climbing, getting on the ground are important skill sets to, to maintain. We only have the opportunity to carry little ones when our little ones are little and uh, when we get grandkids. So you want to be able to carry kids as long as you possibly can. Um, so Caleb is 42 pounds, you know, I mean, it's always a practice to be able to, to lift him up as long as he'll let me carry him. When I was little and stayed with my grandmother, she was on a oral diabetic medication called Oranace. And it was, I guess, you know, she told me, or it was emphasized that, you know, I was to never, ever, you know, mess with her medications, and she kept it on a shelf, and she would lay it out each night and each morning, um, and it was on a shelf that was fairly high, but I could see it, uh, a white pill on the counter, so she would remember to take it. 
But you also have to, you know, think about if you're going to be around little kids, it'd be a lot easier if you didn't have to be on a bunch of medications or travel with medications or worry about getting prescriptions filled or worrying about going to the doctor's office. So part about being a fit grandparent would be to get off medications or not have to take medications in the first place. So one might devise a boot camp for grandparents in training. Um, First would be to be able to get on and off the floor Um, because babies are small and doing tummy time. You want to be able to be down on the floor. You want to be able to get up and pick the child up without falling over the child, falling over toys. Um, So practicing getting on up and off the floor would be a very good skill set. Practicing squats. Um, Can you get all the way to the bottom of a squat without falling over and get back up? Because that's going to be important. And again, um, spending time with a three-year-old, it's up and do this, and then we're going to do this. Nothing lasts for long. We're moving on to different things quite often. So um, up and down, up and down is, is quite important. Walking. Well, you don't have to walk very fast at first, but at some point, it's gonna, the pace is going to pick up someplace between two and three, and certainly uh, it just gets faster after that. So not only being able to walk a distance, and I'd say practicing walking about three miles a day would be uh, good basic training to be a grandparent, um, but you also want to make sure that that pace is adequate so that if you have to chase a scooter or a bicycle or rollerblades, uh, you can do so. Not only should you be able to have the range of motion for that squat, but you're probably going to need to do that squat with some weight, so perhaps a kettlebell or something else heavy so that you're good at bending over or doing a squat and picking something up or picking something up and your grandchild at the same time. So practicing with weights and carrying your own groceries would be a great way to train to be a grandparent and carry groceries and a toddler at the same time. You probably want to also want to do some push-ups or planks because when you're building that fort in the living room, you're going to need to crawl in and keep low so you don't knock the tent down. Um, So that's very important to be able to fold up and get into the blanket tent uh, and play games. You're going to want to keep your shoulders really mobile because chances are you're going to have to throw a ball at some point. You better keep your kicking leg in gear too, so if you have to kick the soccer ball. um, Keep your coordination good so that you can catch the ball and perhaps do a little swimming as well. So I hope this gives you a little motivation to keep your gym membership going or at least your workout routine going and your walking routine going. Uh, so that you too can be a cool grandparent and be able to do things as your grandchild continues to grow. So there was a study published in August of 2023 in the British Journal of Sports Medicine that looked at different forms of exercise at lowering blood pressure. So they looked at isometric exercises such as planks or a wall sit or wall slide, um, a squat, versus resistance training, which would be lifting weights, uh, versus aerobic walking, running, cycling, uh, versus high-intensity intervals. And they found that the biggest bang for your buck when it came to lowering both systolic and diastolic blood pressure was isometric exercises, followed by a combination, followed by 
resistance training, then aerobic training, and lastly was high-intensity training, so high-intensity interval training. So if you're one of these people that want to go to the gym and you do high-intensity intervals for 15 minutes and think you've got it, that's not the way to go. You're much better going over to a wall and doing uh, sliding down to a horizontal position and holding it and breathing while you're holding it and up and down, up and down. Um, for, you know, practice your holds. You can hold for a minute and repeat that and do sets of those followed by sets of planks, uh, followed by body weight squats. So if you want to lower, and they found that you can lower your blood pressure, you know, 30% uh, by just doing that. So if you were to eat a plant-based diet and do the exercise, um, there's a very good chance that you could get off your blood pressure medication. So now that you've joined the gym, the personal trainer is going to suggest that you eat a high-protein, low-carb diet. And you're going to say, no, 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 no. Have you not seen the study that was published in Nature Metabolism looking at protein intake and increased risk of atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries? So they looked multiple ways, uh, both in cells, both in humans and in mice. And what they looked at was high and low protein diets, both regular diets and liquid protein diets. And they looked for uh, specifically the amount of leucine. And leucine uh, would be one of the branch chain amino acids that often are pushed by uh, gym memberships and in, some of the, in a lot of the protein supplements and pow- powders. And what the high-protein diet, and specifically protein diets high in leucine did, was to stimulate a signaling pathway called mTOR, which blocked um, basically um, cellular repair uh, and uh, kind of cleaning out of the cells, so to speak. So um, activation of that pathway is associated with increased risk of atherosclerotic heart disease. So they looked at overweight people, again, giving them low and a high-protein diet. They looked at the concentration. They looked specifically at monocytes and macrophages, which are white blood cells, and the activation of those signaling pathways in those cells as well as in the plasma. Um, And they also noted in mice the increased potential for atherosclerotic disease. So after you join the gym, you're going to want to forego the high-protein diet. And guess what? A plant-based, a whole food plant-based diet has the exact amount of protein that you're supposed to have. Uh, In this study, greater than 2% of your calories from protein um, yielded this increased abnormal signaling pathway that led to atherosclerotic heart disease. In a good plant-based diet, you're looking at about 10%, 15% of your calories coming from protein. Now, certainly in times of healing, if you've had an injury or a surgery, then you know your protein needs are required, increase are required. If you're a child growing or a mom that just gave birth, your protein needs and your nursing, your protein needs are increased. But these um, ungastly high protein diets and protein shakes and all this other kind of things are only going to be harmful. We already know that increasing your protein uh, is harder on your kidneys. So if you already have high blood pressure, you probably have vascular disease, and you probably have vascular disease affecting your kidneys. So increasing the protein is going to make your kidney disease worse as well. But now we know that as far as atherosclerosis, 
um, this, they're also signaling pathways. So a high-protein diet um, is not what you're after. Plants, again, have the, just the right amount of protein. 10% um, is going to be a great number, and you don't have to worry about calculating how much protein you eat if you eat a plant-based diet. Uh, roughly, again, it's going to be 10%. If you look at um, you know most most foods, um, there's one or two grams in vegetables and fruits. Um, grains have more protein. Beans have more protein. Um, but um, if you're eating a wide variety and a balanced, colorful, plant-based diet, you're going to get just the right amount. So I never keep track of protein. I've done spot checks, and I always fall in that 10 to 12 percent range. So not an issue. I recover great from my runs, even, again, the 100-mile race. Um, didn't have hardly any soreness at all. Um, so um, it's not the protein that makes you recover from your 30-minute workouts. It's basically replenishing your glycogen stores in the form of good carbohydrates, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and beans. The biggest thing you want to do is eat for your energy needs. So your energy needs are based on your lean body mass for the most part with a little bit of variation for your activity level. Um, so just because you join a gym doesn't mean you need an extra thousand calories a day. Um, I think I mentioned in my um, 100 mile recap, uh, running 100 miles in 31 hours, I only lost a pound. I was able to keep my uh, food storage going in. So um, you know, we don't burn all that much. Our proteins and amino acids get recycled, so we don't have to worry about taking in, um, you know, so much protein per day or we're going to fall apart or not being able to repair our cells or body. That's just, that's just not true. So if you get the right amount of calories in and 10% of those calories, it's going to be uh, coming from protein, you're going to have just the right amount of protein, and which is basically 40, 45 grams for a woman, 50, 55 grams for a man. We are not a society of not enough of. We are a society of too much of. So err on the side of, you know, being a little bit on the lower side, and you probably do yourself a favor. Your muscle is going to come from your exercise program and not from your dinner plate. So with all that information, you go join a gym, and you start running three miles a day, and the next thing you know, you've got an injury. What do you do? Do you wait for a doctor's appointment? Um, do you do nothing? Do you get a bunch of films? Do you um, rest until it's better? What's the game plan? Little injuries can be as frustrating as big injuries. I currently have a little injury that's a little bit frustrating. So after running 31 hours uh, and 100 miles, a um, fair amount of which was through mud, I have some tendonitis of my right lower leg, and it's a little difficult to figure out where exactly it's coming from and how I did it and how do I not have it happen again. So again, the rest of me is fully recovered, and I'm ready to get down and run, but I have discomfort um, in a couple different places in my lower leg when I go to run. So how do I figure out what's going on and, again, what to do? So I got through the rest page, so, you know, it's walking. And does, do I have discomfort when I do these things? Yes. Um, does it mean I'm not going to do them? No. Um, 
certainly can't push through them or increase the duration and intensity like I would want to, but not doing anything will just cause regression. So diagnosing the problem, obviously, if you had a fracture, um, you wouldn't want to keep walking on a broken bone. But if it's a soft tissue injury, ligament, tendon, muscle, and more of a strain or an inflammation, the idea is to target where the problem is and try to attack it from that aspect. Um, You know, I always tell my patients, if you have plantar fasciitis or Achilles tendonitis or tendinosis, look above, look in your calf, because your calf muscle's tight, it pulls on all those other structures and causes pain, and we all grab our foot and grab our heel, um, but the problem is further upstream. Um, it can even be even higher, but uh, typically it's, it starts someplace in the calf. Well, my initial pain was my uh, inside of my ankle. So again, it hurts to touch there. So you want to focus on where it hurts uh, and you, know, you rub therapy or do things locally. Why is that tendon being injured? Turns out there's a very small muscle called the posterior tendon that goes around the, your ankle bone, um, but one, one of the connections goes in front, one of it goes in behind, they meet in the middle and go up the, just the inside of your tibia, which is a big bone in your lower leg. Uh, but it runs under some of the other muscles in your leg, the big calf gastrocnemius muscles and soleus muscles, so it's kind of hard to get to. And that particular muscle is responsible for pressing down and rotating the foot out or under, so kind of rolling your ankle to the side and then pushing straight down. So you can imagine that when you try to run or walk, you, your, your mechanics of your ankles impaired. And of course, if you start to favor one part, then the other part starts to get sore. And so what do you do? Uh, acute injuries, icing to decrease inflammation is always a good thing. Um, sometimes if you have some swelling, even Epsom salt soak is, is a good thing. Um, the question comes with, you know, if your calf is tight, should you stretch the calf? Are there knots there? You know, if there's a muscle injury stretching something or if there's a knot, you can imagine, you know, a, a knot is, is kind of um, muscle fibers are inflamed and they're kind of twisted instead of being nice and linear. Uh, if you pull on that by stretching it vigorously, that might make it a little bit worse before it makes it better. So you like to kind of get rid of that that, that knot, you know, whether it's massage or some... Uh, direct pressure. Um, my son-in-law Nathan was so kind to put a barbell on my calf to try to, you know, put some re- do some tissue release. Um, it, you know, I wasn't quite ready for uh, that degree of pressure, so we had to back it off and do just the side of the barbell. But it did give me some more room and more range of motion down there, so that helped. Um, you can use things like a Theragun uh, or, you know, some of the massage guns to kind of break up some of the fibrous tissue. Um, there are e-stim, electrical stimulator, um, electrode things that you can get online now um, that I like to use that can cause the muscle to actually contract while you're sitting and not, you know, have your leg elevated so you're not putting pressure on it. That can kind of help get you range of motion. But at some point, you got to start putting weight on and load-bearing to start to strengthen the tissues again and doing specific exercise to weaken those that are uh, perhaps affected most and trying to maintain mechanics in the other tissues. 
So it becomes uh, a little bit of trial and error to kind of find out what works. But I guess my point being is that, you know, if you get all gung-ho that you're going to go out and do an exercise program um, or you do a race or some cause have some injury, it's not... It often when people never do anything again for six months and you don't want to lose your fitness and you don't want to get out of your routine. So find things that you can do um, that aren't hurting it directly. Find things that you can do that weight, uh, that you're weight bearing. So especially if it's your foot or leg so that you can actually start to build those tissues up um, with good mechanics um, and that should, should help fix things. So that's kind of where I am in my process now doing a little bit of those rehab exercises as well as, you know, mobility and, um, a little bit of stretching, but for the most part, trying to create more space by lengthening the tissue, uh, and getting rid of some of the, the, the gnarliness, uh, down deep in my calf muscle. So once you're on your exercise streak and you're maintaining that fitness, you also want to be on your nutrition streak. Um, so again, it's best to cook at home so that you can have control over the ingredients and what you're cooking and you can refine uh, the dishes and the menus that you're making. So when put under pressure uh, with a grandchild, um, it's no big deal. You can whip something up in a hurry, look in your, uh, you know, refrigerator and find something good to whip up quickly. Um, in my house, it was called making something out of nothing. So looking in the refrigerator and coming up with a recipe that everybody likes with ingredients that are already there and not panicking and ordering out uh, and getting takeout or going through a drive-in window where everybody pays the consequences. When you eat out, you're going to get foods that have been treated um, with glyphosates. They may be genetically modified, but the glyphosates will harm your gut bacteria and they will harm a child's gut bacteria even more so. So it's much more dangerous um, in, in this day and age for kids to be exposed to glyphosate on a regular basis. It's been shown with kids on the spectrum um, that it really uh, makes um, them have a lot more GI distress and a lot more um, psychological stress when their gut microbiome is damaged by glyphosate. So don't expose your grandkids to it, um, so stay away from the takeout uh, restaurants. Play at the playground, not at McDonald's balls. I don't want my children or my grandchildren to have to alter their activities because I can't do something. Um, so I want to maintain my fitness and my health. It is a driving factor for my lifestyle. Um, I hope you'll see it that way too. If you can't do it for you, do it for your grandkids. Remember, even if you're fat and your teeth fall out and you wear funny glasses and funny underwear, they still love you. So love them back by being as healthy as you possibly can. Thanks for listening. Much further to 